you want to grab your message notes, we're going to get right into the last and final installment of our series where we've called Detox, and we've been looking at what it looks like to have a 2016 like we, we, we've never experienced a new year before, where we're able to actually achieve some of the goals and dreams that we have for the new year. And I don't know about you, but maybe you look at 2015, you think, man, I really don't want to repeat that again. And uh, I think we could all probably be honest enough to say there are probably certain areas of our life that that's our testimony. Like, we do not want to deal with that again. So let this year be a year of change. That's what I love about that video that we just saw about financial peace, that, that, that Dave Ramsey talks about, you got to run. Like, you have to do something if you're going to move forward. You got to move. You have to make a decision to move in a positive direction. And I think that's, this is what this series is all about in our lives, because I want to see us have the best year that we've ever had. I really want to see us achieve our dreams and our goals, because here's what I know. I believe God puts dreams inside of us for a purpose. I believe that if you do not have something bigger than yourself that you're living for, then you're not really living. I believe that, that, that what Martin Luther King said was so true, that let, until you find something that you're, that you're willing to die for, then you're not truly living. That if there's not things in your life that are impossible to you, then you are not living in the fullness of God's purpose for your life because it's at those moments where we step out of the boat is when we walk on water. We want to walk on water while we're in the safety of the boat. But God wants us to step out in faith and trust Him to, have, to be able to experience things in 2016 like we never have before. And that's really the heart of this church. We want to see you not just come and sing some songs and go through a, another motion of a message, but I really want to see us changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, what are we doing here, you know? Otherwise, why do we come? I want to see life transformed by the power of God. And the principle that we've been focusing on, it's in your, it's in your notes today, um, it's what we've been talking about week after week in this series, is, is simply this, and here it is, that it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. 2016, we want to see God do big things. 2016 maybe be the year that we get out of debt. 2016 may be the year where our marriage that's been on the rocks is restored by the power of God. 2016 may be the time where our family's brought back together. Maybe a time where we start that new career, we start that new business, where we go back to college, where we get healthy again, where we make some relational decisions that we've been putting off for a long time. I believe that it's not big change, it's not huge wholesale changes in our life that result in the things that we want it's small adjustments in strategic areas. So each week we've been looking at a strategic area. The first week we talked about our thoughts. We talked about how we are what we think. And how our thoughts change our words. The words that we speak and the words that we say about ourselves and others are, are really framing the world that we're living in. That if we're speaking negative words, then we're living a negative life. And the negative words that we are saying are producing negative actions and negative habits and and we are what we habitually do. And what we habitually do is our destiny. It's our heritage. It's how our, our life is passed on to next generations. What we do time after time after time after time, our habits. So if we want to change our habits, if we want to change our life, then it, we have to change some strategic areas. 
So, so today, I want to talk about what I believe is the catalyst for all of this. We're going, to end on, we're going to end talking about something that I think has the power to change our thoughts, to change what we say, to change what we do, and to change ultimately what we become. And, uh, and, and, and that's, it's all about this idea of relationships. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Hey, look at, look at it with me in the scripture. It says, become wise, how? By reading a bunch of books, by going to college, by getting another degree. How do you become wise? No, become wise by walking with who? With the wise. So, so we become wise through getting around wise people. And I love that it doesn't say knowledge. It says wisdom. That's, what, that's why the Bible is so infinitely relevant to us today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. Because even though we have a lot more knowledge as a culture and as a society today, we don't have wisdom. It's a big difference. There's a huge difference between knowing things and applying wisdom, and that's what the Scripture does. The Scripture teaches us how to have wisdom about how to live, and that's why we come together. That's why we study His Word. So become wise simply by finding some wise people and hanging out with them. But if you hang out with fools, you'll watch your life fall to pieces. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. What a powerful, powerful principle. Simple principle from the Word. If you want to be wise, spend time with wise people. If you want to be destroyed, which I don't think anybody wants to be destroyed. I don't think anybody begins life saying, I would love to have a life that's a failure. I don't think there's one person that is incarcerated today that says, I just dreamed that one day. Like, if I could just dream a dream, it would be that I would be behind bars. Nobody has that dream. Nobody wants to have a dream of a divorce or a broken relationship. Nobody wants to have a dream of a bankruptcy. Nobody wants to have a dream of mistakes and failures in our life, but we all have them. Why? Because I believe we listen to and hang out around some wrong people. I know that's my issues. That's the problems that I've had in my life, the mistakes that I've made. Um, that I make often deals with the people that I allow to speak into my life, the people that I listen to their voice. It, it, it really directs what I become. It, it's directing what I'm becoming right now, and it's so is doing that to you as well. I, I got thinking about um, whenever, I was a, whenever I was a kid, I, used, I lived out in the country. I grew up in western Kentucky and lived out in the country, and some, a lot of my friends had dirt bikes and motorcycles and four-wheelers. How many grew up with, with dirt bikes or motorcycles or four-wheelers? There we go. Yeah, I, that's how I grew up um, riding. I had a Honda CR80, which is like a, like a training. <laughs> it's like a bike with training wheels with a motor on it, you know? Uh, it was awesome. I'd love to have it today. It's this little motorcycle that my parents bought me for $400, and I rode the wheels off that things literally I had to replace the wheels I drove it so much I loved riding that thing and I got so confident in riding my motorcycle that I would try to do tricks and try to show off in front of my friends so one of the times I was riding uh, we were riding on a on a on a on a black on a paved road a blacktop road and we uh, I, I rode out in front of my friends and I stood up on the pegs and uh, then, you know, I'm still holding on to the, to, the, you know, to the handles, and I take my hands off the handles, and I'm standing up there, and, and, you know, I'm thinking I'm so cool. I don't know how old I am, probably, you know, 11 years old, and I'm thinking I'm so awesome, and, uh, it, but it's not enough just to be standing there. 
I'm doing this to impress my friends, mind you. So I turn around. So, so we're, we're going, I'm going fast. So I turn around, no hands on the, on, on, you know, on, on the handlebars. I turn around to see my friends. And I forgot that the road curved right after, you know, a little bit down the road. And as I was looking at my friends, my bike went right off the road into a ditch. And I flew off. My head hit, this, my head hit the concrete. And I still have that, that helmet that I was wearing um, where it just has a huge skid mark. Thank God I was wearing a helmet or else I wouldn't be here today. And, and, and I still have a place on my leg, um, uh, about three inches on my shin, where I cannot, I don't have any feeling today. Like I could hit it as hard as I want to, and it still has no feeling from that time where I got, it, where I got in that accident as a kid. And I, I got to thinking, the whole reason it happened is because... I was trying to impress, it was, it was the relationships. I would have never done something riding by myself like that. I was, I was trying to impress somebody else. And fast forward uh, another five, you know, five or six years, whenever I got my driver's license, I was leaving high school and, and I had my driver's license for less than a week. And we were going out to a restaurant after school. I had this newfound independence. I was so excited. And right as I was leaving school, I was looking in my rearview mirror because my friends were behind me and I knew they were looking at my car. And I was so proud of the Jeep that I was driving right there. And, uh, and, and as I pulled out, I was not looking at the car in front of me. I was looking in the rearview mirror behind me at my friends looking at me. And boom, right there on my high school campus, all of my friends saw me, you know, pulled off the side of the road, cop cars everywhere. $600 later, I get my fender back and I'm able to drive again. But you know what? Why did it happen? Because of the people in my life. Because I had people I was trying to impress. Because I had people in the distance. And, and I, I was a youth pastor for 12 years before we moved, um, before we moved here from Orlando, Florida to, to start this church. And... I got thinking about all the messages that I've preached over the years to young people and to students, to teenagers, and, and, and by and large, the thing that I have talked about the most is the idea of your relationships. Because as a, teenager, as a teenager, it's so clear to see in our lives that our friends affect our future. Let's say it again. Our friends affect our future. But many times, whenever we get older, we kind of think we're the captain of our own life and other people don't bother us and we're not listening to the opinions of others like we used to whenever we were teenagers. But I got thinking about my own life and I think it's the exact same today. I think my friends today are affecting my future, not just whenever I was 11 and 12 and 16, but I believe my friends, the company I am keeping in my life today is defining where I'm going with my life. I think it's probably doing the same in your life too. So, so, so where are you going? Like what are the relationships in your life? What destination are they taking you to? What direction are they going? Who are the people you call on the phone on a weekly basis when you're just driving down the road and have a couple free minutes? Who are those relationships in your life? Who, who are those moments whenever you're facing an impossibility in your life and you don't know what to do? Who do you reach out to? Like, who are those people in your life? And so you can put this in your notes. I have a place there because here's, here's the truth I want to talk about, that your potential is connected to the company that you keep. Your potential and my potential is directly connected to the company that we keep. To the people that we put in our lives. To the people we allow to be there. So, so, so where 
are we going? And who are the people that is in our lives? Here's what I know, that whenever God wants to bless your life, he puts a relationship in your life. I think about the positive relationships that are in my life. I, I think about my wife. I think we just celebrated ten, our 10-year anniversary this past week. And, and, and we just it, we went out to dinner together, and we kind of had a little staycation. We just stayed in town and at a hotel. My mom came in and watched the boys. And, and as, as we ate dinner together and just spent time together, we were just reminiscing about the last 10 years. And I just think, God, every day, because I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for that godly woman over there that, that puts up with me whenever she probably shouldn't and encourages me whenever I'm down and whenever I'm insecure and lifts me up and, and, and is, is strong in the places where I'm weak. I think about those relationships in my life and, and then I also think about the negative relationships that I've just kind of allowed to come in that, that, that maybe I didn't seek after but I've just kind of allowed their voices to be there. I don't know if you have Facebook um, but, but I've, I was... Lord, I've, I've had Facebook for years. I remember whenever I had Facebook... Uh, very early on, whenever it was just kind of, it was, it was very, very, very new. I remember MySpace. Anybody remember MySpace? You had MySpace before you, there we go. Um, uh, I remember there was one before that. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, connect, everyone's connected. Yeah, everyone's connected. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I remember like early social media. I remember I had a blog and I found out if you Twitter, I don't even know what a Twitter was, but if you tweeted, then you would go like on your blog without you having to log in. And do, I just, I'm a super nerd. So I thought that was kind of cool. And so this is, you know, so I, social media is something I've, I've used for years and years. But, but, but I kind of took the tactic whenever it came to Facebook that I would just kind of accept any friend request. Like, I was like Jesus. I'd tell people, I'm like Jesus on Facebook. Like, I'll accept anybody, you know? So if you look at my Facebook on friend requests, that if you look at all my friends, it looks like I'm just super popular. Like, I don't know, three, 4,000 friends. I don't even know how many people I had. And, and what I realized is that I was accepting so many people that I had all kinds of junk in my newsfeed. And I didn't even know who these people were. All it was, it was just messing with my mind. They were posting stuff all the time. And I thought, I don't even know who these people are. And they're all over my feed. And I got to thinking, how many times in my life did I, did I just accept? I may have not even requested it. Maybe I just accepted some voices in my life. I accepted some other people speaking into my life. Instead of saying deny, I just said, well, I'll let them in, and I'll let them in, and I'll let somebody else in, and I'll let somebody else in to the point where I have my life surrounded by bad news feed. you got to watch who you let get in your feed. You gotta watch who you let speak into your life. You gotta watch who you let go, go to you and direct what you do and the decisions that you make because if you listen to fools, I promise you, it's a principle in the Word of God, you will be destroyed. But if you'll get your life around some people, some godly people, some people that are wise, you having some financial issue. That's why I love this Dave Ramsey, this financial piece, because you know what you're talking, you're you're getting, you're hearing some wise counsel, and you're gonna get your the people that are leading this small group or people that have been there, been in debt, paid it off, been there. What what are you gonna do? You're gonna surround yourself not with your broke uncle that has all this advice for you. See, everybody has advice for you. Everybody has advice for how we're supposed to do this and how we're supposed to lose weight and how we're supposed. But you know what? We need to find somebody who's been there. Find somebody who has some wisdom, some knowledge that knows what they're doing. Make sure you're getting the right voices in your life because the wrong voices can completely destroy you. We find this in the scripture time after time. 
As a matter of fact, it was really hard to, to just kind of nail down a couple things um, about this because there's so much in the Bible about this. And I was, there's, there's a lot of messages that are going to be preached in the future that are going to deal with a lot of the things we kind of introduce with this today because I think it's that important. I really do. I think the company we keep and the people we allow in our lives, I think if you would just commit to, to, to getting rid of some people that, that are negative voices in your life and begin to replace it with some people that love the Lord and that will encourage you to serve God, and I promise it would transform your life forever. Like it's that powerful, the people you listen to. It's so powerful that, that, you, that you see somebody as strong as Moses in the Bible. Moses was someone who God raised up to be a deliverer. He was somebody who God raised up to make a great difference in his generation. But a wrong relationship and listening to the wrong voices and trying to do things his own way actually left him distant from his destiny. Just like it will in our own lives. I put it in your notes, Acts chapter 7, verse 20. It tells the story of this man, Moses. Moses, he was born to a people, he was born to, um, as part of the Jewish people, he was an Israelite during a very bad time for the people of Israel. They were enslaved by the Egyptians. And Moses was born at a time where they were actually trying to destroy and trying to kill off the babies. Of, of the Israelites so they would not continue to multiply. It's the same tactic that the enemy has today. That's why he wants to put his crosshairs on the next generation. That's why he wants to make sure babies aren't born. That's why he wants to make sure, because it's the same tactic, because there's a deliverer, because he knows that the power of God, there's one thing that God and the devil both agree on, and it's the potential that you have in their kingdom, period. That, that they, they both realize how valuable you are. And they realize how valuable your kids are. They realize that if they can't get to you, they can get to the next generation and they can destroy the next generation if they can allow the wrong voices to come in their life. So, so, so I just want to walk you through what Moses did and the, and the decisions that he made. And, and it says, at that time, Moses was born. So this negative time in the people of God. It says his parents cared for him at home for three months and then they had to abandon him. Or, or literally what happened, they, they put him, in a, they put him in, a, in a basket and they sent him down the river, not to abandon him per se, but, but because they knew if they kept him, he would die. So it was really a plea to try to save his life. But Pharaoh's, adop, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful both in speech and in action. I want you to remember that part. Speech and action, he was powerful. But one day, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. So, so, so Moses sees this wrong thing happen. He sees this Egyptian that was hurting one of his people, that, that he was feeling was, he was the deliverer. He was someone supposed to make a difference. So, so he reaches out to try to take matters in his own hands and, and, and try to take his purpose into his own hands, and he actually kills this man. It was, it was, it was the right heart, but the, the absolute wrong thing to do. But he didn't have anybody in his life to say, hey, hey time out, Moses. The, it's, the answer's not killing people, like... If you want to be a leader of your people, the answer, if you want to deliver them, it's the answer is not just kill everybody. That's not what you need to do. That's not a good idea, but he didn't have anybody in his life to tell him that. It says, 
Verse 25, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. And isn't this us? Sometimes we try to do the right thing and everybody just doesn't understand, but they didn't. And it says, the next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, your brothers, again, trying to take it into his own hand. Why are you fighting with each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. In a wrong relationship, another person, another voice, pushing him aside. Who made you a ruler and a judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. See, I find it interesting. Moses tries to fulfill his destiny, but then some toxic voices, some toxic relationships, these represent what probably most of us just inherently have in our lives, but they keep us from our destiny. We, we just have these voices, whether they're people or our past, that they're in our lives. And here's what happens. I want to pull some things from that passage that we just read to show you what happens whenever we're talking about detox in this series, that, that getting some things out of our lives and getting some wrong relationships. Here's what happens whenever we have some toxic relationships in our lives. First thing is we make mistakes. We make mistakes. The wrong people in your life, you can, you can usually just judge it because there's some mistakes there. That, that nobody plans to destroy their life. No teenager wakes up and says, man, I want to go ruin my mind. I want to go smoke some drugs today. Like, I want to, that's what I want to do. I want to go get myself in prison today. I want to go. No, nobody does that. What do they do? They get in a wrong relationship and it leads them in a direction they never thought that they would go because wrong relationships, if you're making habitual mistakes in your life, it's probably because there's some people in your life that's leading you the wrong direction. In Moses' situation, he was trying to do the right thing, but he didn't have people in his life to speak the truth to him. You need to, you need to make sure, and I need to make sure, that we have people that will speak truth in our lives. We need to make sure we have people that we have given permission to say the hard things to us in our lives. Not just people that tickle our ears, not just people that let us go down the primrose path and lead to our own destruction but people that are willing to risk a relationship to say you don't need to be doing that. And here's, here's the reality. You cannot have that unless you let somebody in. You cannot have that just with random strangers in a room like a Sunday morning. That's why, that's, why we really, that's why we really are passionate about not just having small groups as a church, but we want to be a church of small groups because our lives are not changed in rows like this on Sunday mornings. Our lives are changed in circles as we get to know one another, as we share our hurts, as we share our fears, as we, as we give each other permission to, to, to be in our lives, as we give each other permission to look and, and to tell the ebb and flow and the, to help us make some course corrections along the way. What would have happened if Samson would have listened to the voices of people in his life that told him that you have a great calling and passion in you that you cannot let one relationship destroy, but what a thousand men could not do that were armed, one woman, one wrong relationship with a woman that he should not have been with destroyed Samson's life. Just one relationship. 
I think about Solomon, the great man of wisdom, the great king full of wisdom. But the Bible says that he married women that did not follow the Lord and it turned his heart away. You got to be weary, ladies and men, of, of relationships, of a friendship that gets inappropriate in our lives. And you need some people that can look at you and that you can be honest with whenever you start going down a wrong path, that you can have some people saying, hey, hey, what's happening in your life? You need some people that you can, you can share your internet history with them. You need people that, that, that there's people in my life and I have people that I share it with that, that, that if there's anything that's inappropriate, they get, a monthly, um, they get a monthly report or a weekly report. I get a weekly report that how are they doing? Like, like is there anything that was, that was inappropriate that they searched for on their computer? Why is that? Because... I want to have the right relationships. I want to have people that we can be honest with and people that we can be real with that know what's happening in my life and then I know what's happening in theirs. See, some people need to be restricted out of your life. It's not an unbiblical or unloving thing to restrict a relationship along the way. Even Jesus told one of his closest companions that he was Satan. <laughs> it's one of the funniest moments in the Bible that, that Peter, Jesus' friend, I'm sure would just... Didn't understand. Peter, Jesus was talking about going to the cross, and Peter's like, no, man, you don't got to go to the cross. And P Jesus just stops him in his tracks and says, get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter's like, whoa, what did you have for breakfast? Jesus like, what's up with him? That was my friend. He's, you know, we've been hanging out together. I'm in the inner circle, right? That's not what you tell the person in the inner circle. But what did Jesus realize? Anybody that would keep him from his destiny was an adversary to him and was not his friend. And there needs to be some boundaries that we have whenever we have relationships, whenever we have people in our lives that are leading us in the wrong direction, that we, like Jesus, can set a boundary and say, I will not go any further with that, period. I've set some lines. I've set some boundaries. Because you know what? Satan wants to get us to a place where we will compromise and we'll mess up and we'll be distant from our destiny. But you know what I love about our God? Is that our God, he, just like the enemy wants to bring in a negative relationship, God, through a relationship with him and through a relationship with other people that love him in, in, in the body of Christ, that one relationship, even though maybe one took us away, that's just one relationship away from being able to fulfill the destiny that God has in our life. What else happened to Moses? Moses was misjudged. That's what happens. We've all been misjudged by people. And we've all misjudged people. We've all been that wrong relationship for someone whenever we didn't take time to, 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 to give them the benefit of the doubt, to trust them. I want to give you a principle um, today that, that each one of us, we have a choice of what we can carry around whenever in our relationships with people. We can either carry a magnifying glass in our hands where we are magnifying people's weaknesses and we're, we're, putting our, our, you know, we're just putting the microscope on all of their motives, or we can carry a mirror. See, see the, the, the magnifying glass that tries to magnify everybody's weakness, I promise it's a lot easier to carry than the mirror because whenever you put the mirror in your face, you realize that it's not about the mistake of others, but it's about what's in me. You realize it's not about the, my, what my spouse is doing wrong, but I, I find that so easy for me to blame my wife for things that I need to work on in myself. And instead of dealing with it in my own life, instead of having the mirror in my hand, I have the microscope in the hand and I try to pick up negative things in her life. But you know what? Whenever I pray, have you ever tried to pray against, like be mad when you're praying at somebody else? Have you ever tried to do that before? 
Like, God, I just, would you just kill them? Would you just do something? Just, and, and then by the time the prayer is over with, you're like, oh, God, it's not even them. It's me. It's my attitude. Why? Because the more you get closer to the Lord, the closer you get to God, you, be, you get, begin to realize it's not about fighting with other people, but it's about your relationship with him. That God, what's it in me that I can work on? Moses got mistreated and got misjudged, and then he got mistreated. We've all been mistreated by people. A subplot in this passage that I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talk about is, is, the, is, is something that the scripture doesn't mention, but, but I know it's there because there's a family dynamic. Moses was adopted, we read earlier, by Pharaoh's daughter. So would have, Pharaoh would have been his, essentially his step or, or adopted grandpa. And whenever Moses made a mistake, what happens? Whenever Pharaoh, if you know the story, whenever the news is brought to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, hey, kill him. <laughs> like, kill him. And that seems like it's a pretty normal thing, but, but it wasn't just a kill him from just a random stranger or from the Pharaoh. It was, you ever had somebody in your own family that should have loved you, should have took up for you, but they didn't? It's exactly what it was. It was a voice where he was mistreated along the way. His grandpa should have came in and said, Moses, what happened? What's going on with you? But he didn't. He just wrote him off and he just threw him away. But just like one wrong relationship, one wrong voice can take us in the wrong direction, one right voice can take us in the right direction and change our lives forever. Because God met Moses at his darkest hour. God met Moses where he was at a new place with the Lord. He was at a new place and, the, and he wasn't strong and full of power and full of strength anymore. He was, he was at a place of, of, of doubt. He was at a place of disillusionment with what was happening in his life. He, he was no longer the man of strength and vision, but 40 years later, he was now 80 years old and he was disillusioned. He was leading sheep in the backside of the desert all by himself so far from his purpose but God had not forgotten him. Are you think, aren't you thankful that whenever we give up on God, God does not give up on us? Are you thankful when we, we give up on our purpose, God's never given up on our, God's never given up on us? I want to dedicate this message to somebody that you put your calling so far on the back burner that you feel like you're on the backside of the desert. I pray that God would speak to you today just like he did to Moses and to let you know he's not finished with you yet. He still has a purpose for your life. And, 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 and watch what God does. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. It's not in your notes, but I want to read it to you. It should be on the screen. It says, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. I love that scripture. God's like, I'm just mad at you. God's probably been mad at all of us from time to time, right? But he didn't just say, Moses, you're dead. No, he, he, he kept working with Moses, just like he does with us. So Moses said, All right. Uh, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite, God said. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? He says, I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now, and he will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesperson to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. I love this. Moses is at a place of disillusionment. Moses is at a place of deficiency in his life. But God says, you know what, Moses? You cannot fulfill your destiny alone. 
You cannot do this by yourself. It's okay because I have a relationship that I want to put in your life that's going to actually propel you to do what you once tried to do on your own. See, sometimes we try to do things on our own, but it doesn't work out. Why? I believe because we can't fulfill our destiny on our own. God has to get us to a place where we need help. We need strength so God can be our strength and then He can allow us to be humble and work with one another because we're a body. We're a body. We're not just an eye. We're not just a hand. We're a body. We're the body of Christ. So I want to, I want, I want to conclude today by, by speeding through what this relationship was for, Aaron, for, for Moses' life. His name was Aaron. And I want to challenge you to get an Aaron relationship in your life. First of all, Aaron is gifted in areas that you are not. Gifted in areas that you are not. That Aaron was able to communicate even though Moses couldn't. He was gifted in areas you're not. You need some people in your life that are gifted in things that you may not be gifted at. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands fights like Chuck Norris. I mean, it's not easily broken. That's the message paraphrase right there. So first of all, you need someone who's gifted where you're not. Secondly, you need someone who's moving in the same direction as you. Psalm chapter 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You need to make sure you have some they's in your life that are leading you to the right place and not the wrong place. And lastly, musicians, you can come. You need some people that are happy to be involved in your life. Life is too short to spend your life around competing people. People that just want to fight with you. People that just want to just, just bring negativity and strife in your life. God wants to bring some people that are happy to be a part of your life. He wants to bring some people in your life that will not compete with you, but will complete you so that you can do what God's called you to be, called you to do. People that are sacrificial and not selfish. I put this in your notes. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. See, God wants us to have some people in our lives that will they're gifted where we're not, they're going in the right direction toward the Lord. And they're just happy to be there. They're sacrificial. They're not selfish. They're that one person. So I want to ask you the question today. We've talked about what's your one thought, what's your one word. So I want to ask you, what's your one relationship? Like, who's the person in your life that's leading you in the right direction? Because we all need that. Next week, we're kicking off small groups and and that, that, that's really the heart and the purpose. And you don't have to be in a small group here at City Hills. I know there are a lot of churches that, um, across our city that have small groups, and they're different groups. And um, I just encourage, be in a group. Like, whatever it takes. It doesn't have to be one of our groups, but we have groups we'd love for you to get connected with. But you need some people. Like, you need some errands in your life that can... Be gifted in areas where you're not. That can lift you up when you're down. That can be that relationship that you need. The scripture said, No greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend. See, the greatest relationship that we could ever have is a relationship with God. And that's what he wants to have, a relationship. A friendship. My life changed 
whenever I discovered that Jesus didn't die so that I could practice a religion for him, but he came so that I could have a relationship with him. That transformed everything in my life. And I believe it has the power to transform everything in your life too. That you would be a friend of God. That he would lift you up. That he would be there for you. So I want to give us an opportunity before we leave this place today to pray. To call on that one relationship, a relationship with Jesus that changes everything. Maybe you need to make some decisions to, to, to decline some friend requests and to accept some others. Maybe you need to stick around five minutes after, after church today and just talk to somebody where you kind of normally run off. Maybe you need to say to somebody in this place, hey, you want to go grab some lunch today? Why? Because we need relationships. We need each other. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for us today. Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you do not leave us alone. Lord, I've, I've tried to do things on my own, in my own power, Lord. And thank you for not letting it work out because I would, have, I would have given myself the credit and missed the joy of being able to work with those that have become Aaron relationships in my life. Those relationships where we're fulfilling your purpose and calling together. I thank you for those who are part of City Hills. That, that, that they, are, they are those relationships to me and to each other. Where we're lifting one another up. And we're not putting one another down. But this is a perfect place for imperfect people. Thank you, Lord, that we're not alone. If you're here today and you need to start a relationship with Jesus. Like you're ready to have a brand new start with him. Nobody's looking around. Why don't you just lift up your hand. Right now, just if that's you, you, you want this to be a brand new day, a fresh start, why don't you just lift up your hand, signifying that this is a new day for me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put it down. You don't have to leave it up. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to pray, to begin that relationship with Jesus. That's so powerful. It, it just begins like this. You, can, you don't have to pray what I pray, but it's just an example of what you can pray. Just, you just mean it from your heart. Just simply say, we're going to pray it together as a body. Just simply say, Jesus, I need you. I've tried to live life on my own, but it hasn't worked out. Lord, I'm ready for a new relationship with you. I make you the Lord of my life. Lead me wherever you want to lead me. I will follow. Forgive me of my sin. I'm ready for a brand new start. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God, would you help us to have that brand new start in you? I pray for those that they may already be a believer, but they need to have a brand new start in a relationship. I pray for marriages that need to be restored. God, I pray for friendships that need to be restored. I pray for estranged family relationships that need to be brought together, God. I pray that you would help us to fulfill that calling and destiny in 2016. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said amen.